persecuted brothers and sisters and we know that we are facing persecution in this country. We can never, uh, never think that there, it's just unfortunate that they're in one country and we're in another. Persecution has always been a part of what happens in Christianity. Other religions are persecuted as well, but Christians seem to be persecuted by everybody. <laughs> Amen. And so we have to always be aware to pray against persecution, pray for those who are persecuted, pray for them to be forgiving people, and to uh, love their captors, their persecutors, and pray for them. Uh, certainly as Jesus prayed when he was on the cross, he prayed for those who... Um, uh, persecuted him and who uh, murdered him and so we are very very thankful we have an example in Christ of how to respond to this but we do uh, call for an end to persecution because it's not the will of God it's something that happens but it is not God's will his will for us is Psalm 91 for safety and protection and all of those things. And so we always pray for protection uh, against persecution for our brothers and sisters in different countries. Amen. Amen. And the seed you sow will definitely uh, reap a harvest in your life. Amen. You you will be spared of those things <clears throat> because God will come to your rescue and your aid in your time of need. So this one is on Hinduism. The, fact, uh, the uh, effect uh, how Hindus oppose christianity and a lot of this is in india and so we're going to talk about that and uh praise god okay it says why are hindus burning this is the letter from the president amen uh says why are why are hindus burning bibles organized public beatings of pastors and sexual assaults of their wives and young daughters Poisoning of Christians' water supplies, destruction of churches, assassinations of church leaders, burning of Bibles. This is probably not the India you are familiar with, but it is the India that many of our Indian Christian brothers and sisters, totaling more than 20 million, live in every day. Our country benefits uh, greatly from its warm relationship with India. Not only is India a strong trade partner, but many of its more than a billion Hindus are active members of our companies and economy. Americans have such positive experience with Indians that it's hard for us to understand or even imagine the violent extremism that has come to prominence inside India. Neither India's growing economy nor its famous cultural landmarks for example, the Taj Mahal, uh, Yoga, Mahatma Gandhi, and Dawi celebrations are representative of Hinduism as experienced by most Indians who typically live in rural areas and are desperately poor. The oppression and inequality suffered by most Indians within the Hindu, Hindu caste system are astonishing. Indians are locked into one of 3,000 castes assigned at birth. 77% of them, 836 million people, live on less than half a dollar a day or $180 per year. I love Hindus. 
as long and I long to see them set free from the harmful errors of idol worship and predetermination of class. However, in recent years, an even darker idea, one that harms not only its adherents but also others, has gained influence and power at the highest levels of India's government. The world's largest democracy has elected officials who publicly subscribe to a dangerous belief that Hindu unity must be achieved through the purification, removal by force, of everything and everyone that is not Hindu. The intolerance of the Hindu unity movement is equaled only by that of radical Islam. The campaign for Hindu unity has resulted in widespread, federally sanctioned, and unthinkably brutal violence against our Christian brothers and sisters. We have documented thousands of attacks in recent years and have personally interviewed hundreds of victims. Your life will be changed by reading some of the stories in this magazine. Indian Christians are boldly and lovingly proclaiming the gospel amid a majority Hindu culture that has always treated them as outcasts and now seeks their elimination. The mercy and love of Christ are disarming the harmful lies of Hinduism one precious soul at a time. We Christians, Americans, and Indians together will pay any price to bring the gospel message to Hindus, including those who violently oppose us. As we obey Christ and fulfill his great commission, we understand that ultimately the reason some Hindus are burning Bibles is that the gospel is changing hundreds of thousands of Hindu hearts and minds. In the past 20 years, we have witnessed the greatest revival among Hindus in history in northern India. Hinduism spiritual heartland. The violence of Hindu unity is merely a reaction to God's miraculous work in India. And Hindu extremists including India's Prime Minister Modi and his political party that serves as a front for religious extremism cannot stop the work of the one true and living God. P.S. Praise God we are distributing Bibles in India far faster than the Hindu extremists can burn them. You may have noticed our magazine, it's our magazine's new wrap. This switch to plastic produces savings that enables us to provide 5,000 additional Bibles every month. Amen. So that's good. Amen. It's you. I know, I remember, um, being concerned about uh, you know, replacing things in the ministry that got broken, and, and one day God told me, He said, "I can." He said, "I can replace by more things than you can break. Anybody can break." And so I stopped worrying about. You know, He has a way of putting your mind at ease about things. So anyway, this uh, this this uh, story is called "Murder by Prayer." It says Pastor Suryan. Karia became a believer in 2004 after being healed from the same illness that had taken his seven-year-old daughter's life. Like most in his tribal village, uh, uh, okay, Harkland State, India, he was an animist, worshipping nature with animal sacrifices and offerings of alcohol. But when he was healed from the disease... After Christians prayed for him, Suryan gave his life to Christ and became the leader of a house church. A number member, another member of Suryan's house church, a man called Kola, literally stumbled across the church one day in 2010 after hearing sounds of worship coming from the building. 
Kola, who had battled alcoholism and drug abuse for years, drunkenly stumbled into the church meeting, dancing to the drumbeat and singing loudly. Unfazed by his drunken performance, the Christians invited him to come back the next day, which surprisingly he did. Kola felt profoundly changed through Christian worship and prayed for a new beginning. He immediately boxed up all his drugs and tobacco and threw them out. In 2017, Kola's 27-year-old nephew, Krishna, along with his wife and three children, decided that they too would follow Jesus and join the house church. We were so sick and troubled, Krishna said, when we started going to church and praying, slowly the problems disappeared. Suryan Kola and Krishna had all experienced the power of Christ in their lives, leading them to reject animism and follow Jesus. So when another church member invited them to pray for his sick wife, they agreed without hesitation. Later, when the woman died, community members blamed the three Christians, fearing them because they were different. A few months earlier, the villagers had grown angry over the Christians' refusal to participate in a ritualistic hunt to appease the nature god. While some wanted to kick the Christians out of the village, they instead decided to levy a, a large fine that the Christians were unable to pay. The villagers then removed the Christians' names from the community. Uh, community, what does it say? Community or ration cards and prevented them from using the village well. Eventually the Christians paid the portion of the fine they could afford and tensions eased until the young woman's uh, death fanned the flames of of resentment once again. Although Suryan, Kola, and Krishna were not the only Christians who prayed for the sick church member, they were the ones the villagers could name. After being charged with murder, the men surrendered to police in 2017. But they were still confident that since they had done nothing wrong, they would be quickly released. Suryan trusted the Lord to sustain them and even counted it a privilege to suffer for the Lord. Whatever I have done is for the Lord, he said. He will take care of everything because the Lord has suffered for us. This offering is nothing for us. The men spent the next nine and a half months in in, a, in the Gumla jail where the guards called them the Hallelujah people. Those who those who follow a foreign religion. They were the only Christians in the prison, but they met for prayer each morning as soon as they woke up, and one of the men's relatives brought them a Bible. When people started seeing that we pray and read the Bible, one or two would come closer to us and say to please pray for them, Syrian said. We used to share the word of God. By the time they were transferred to another prison, thirteen men had come to know the Lord. The men were thankful for the opportunity to share the gospel with other prisoners, but they worried about how their families might be affected by their imprisonment. Every time Kola's wife visited, he asked her if she was still attending church. She assured him she was. And Kola also worried about Krishna, who had become a Christian only a month before their arrest and imprisonment. I was scared because as soon as he had accepted Christ, he had gotten into this problem, he said. Although Krishna's faith didn't waver, he too was concerned about his family. We were strong in the faith but just worried about our families, Krishna said. As three months passed, I started thinking about what would happen. I didn't know if I would ever be able to see my family or my children. I was in a very confused state at the time.
Finally, in August 2018, a lawyer hired by Voice of the Martyr partner was able to get them released on bail and now the three men are back with their families their main accuser may be dropping his complaint but it will likely be several months before their case is resolved meanwhile they have to take time off work and travel to another city for each court hearing the men say their relationship with villagers is back to normal but community members may pressure their accuser to maintain his legal complaint Though their imprisonment was difficult, all three men remain committed to the Lord who healed and sustains them. When I was in jail, I felt I was in hell, Kola said. So when I was out of the jail, I got more strength and am getting more power to pray and more strength and encouragement to worship the Lord more. I am now closer to the Lord. As a relatively new believer, Krishna had been encouraged by the support the men had received from the body of Christ we are not regretting what happened in our life because we acknowledge that so many people are here to help us local newspapers and TV stations have followed their trial and Surian said he felt like a celebrity after their release because everybody knew their names I felt we are the blessed ones like God chose us he said my responsibility is to take care of the people who are still in the dark he is however more careful now when he shares the gospel or prays for someone i'm a little scared after coming out of jail he admitted i am very much cautious but still i want to do the work i try to share the word of god to everyone whether they listen or not whether it brings fruit or not my work is to sow the seed and share the word of god these men who spent nine months in prison for praying over a sick woman remain committed to praying for others and they continue to hope that their neighbors will be transformed with from worshipers of nature to worshipers of the creator amen so yeah the smiling little faces down in the corner now that they're out amen amen so this one is india's sacred state onslaught on christians it's a picture of a house church got people crowded in there to hear the gospel that's always good One evening in early September 2018, an investigative report on India's Z News stunned many viewers with the claim that pastors in Uttar Pradesh state were um, paying Hindus to convert to Christianity. Though fictitious, the report reinforced similar claims about Christianity that had appeared elsewhere. Hindu radicals were incensed by the news that Christianity was growing and even flourishing in Uttar Pradesh, which is considered the sacred home of Lord Shiva and an important site of worship on the Holy Ganges River. Hindu nationalists believe that India should be a pure Hindu state and that followers of other religions should be expelled from the country. Throughout September and October, persecution against Christians erupted across the densely populated state of Uttar Pradesh. Gangs blocked roads, litting the churches, and vandalized some smaller churches. Angry mobs beat Christians and dragged pastors from their beds in the middle of the night. Police arrested pastors during Sunday services, closed churches, and arrested more than 100 Christians for 
creating community disharmony. And most evangelism in the area came to an abrupt halt. Meanwhile, Christian leaders in the area struggled to respond to the ongoing incidents, paying bail, traveling to encourage families of those arrested, hiring lawyers, and reassuring church members. Our two representatives based in Vanarasi are totally exhausted as they have been running around day and night since September 5th, a voice of the martyr's partner said. Thanks for your encouragement, prayers, and offer to help. We are short of helping hands in Uttar Pradesh as every day one incident or another is happening. Though the reports of paid conversions were false, the Hindu radicals did and do have reason to fear. In the past 10 years, the number of Christians in Uttar Pradesh has increased dramatically with a huge number of the state's more than 200 million people placing their faith in Christ. While a precise number of new believers is impossible to obtain, it's clear from the reports of multiple Christian leaders in the area that Christianity is growing rapidly. Many middle class Indians are now turning to Christ, a historically uncommon trend, and Uttar Pradesh is now home to what may be the fastest growing house church movement in India. What the propaganda pieces got wrong were the reasons people are converting to Christianity. As Christians told Z News when interviewed for the report, they accepted Jesus because he answered their prayers or because he healed an illness. See, signs and wonders. Amen. The truth of the gospel and work of the Holy Spirit do not require coercion or enticement. Christian leaders in the region noticed that while the interviews were intended to portray Christianity in a negative light, many believers took the opportunity to share the gospel and their answers, giving even more people the chance to hear about Jesus. The situation for Christians gradually normalized by November, but the intense persecution of the previous two months had unexpected results. Persecution has brought greater unity between the churches, a local Christian worker said. Still, a Christian leader in the region said he expects persecution to worsen. India Prime Minister Narendra Modi has used his four years in office to fill government leadership positions with affiliates of the Hindu extremist um, RSS. Every village in India now has RSS volunteers who monitor non-Hindu activity and act as missionaries for the Hindu cause. The Christian leader asked for prayer that Indian believers would not succumb to fear. If we have boldness, we can overcome, he said. A few weeks after the attack subsided, a group of believers gathered for worship in a living room in Barasi, Uttar Pradesh. Otar Pradesh. As the service progressed, younger people took their places on the floor of a small room facing the pastor, while older people sat on chairs around the perimeter of the room. Yes. <laughs> the Christians worship God. <laughs> I was looking at this floor. I said, that's a little kind of crowded down there. The Christians worship God with outstretched arm and soaring voices accompanied only by a bongo drum. During the Bible reading, most peered intently 
They had black hard-covered Bibles in their laps while a few followed along with digital Bibles on their cell phones. Later, several people shared how the Lord had helped them or answered prayers during the week. After a closing prayer of blessing, the congregation spilled out into the fall sunshine, determined to remain shining lights for Christ amid the spiritual darkness and Uttar Pradesh, regardless of what the news reports say about them. Amen. Praise God. So here we got some more fake news. Way on the other side of <laughs> way on the other side of the world, I'm telling you. Okay. Conspiring to silence a witness. Uh, Harikiran was born into a Hindu family, but he came to know Christ at age 15 after his sister-in-law was healed from a lengthy illness. When modern medicine and witchcraft had failed to improve her condition, she and her family accepted a pastor's invitation to visit his church. They soon came to know Christ and Hari Karan's sister-in-law quickly recovered. From that day, he said, we decided to follow Jesus. In his eagerness to share the peace and healing his family had experienced, Hari Karan began telling others about his new Christian faith. As a result, he has faced many challenges over the past couple of decades as he has continued to tell others about Jesus. He has been arrested three times, jailed for a week, beaten, harassed by a mob of Hindu activists. But none of these difficulties have hindered him from sharing the gospel. If we say one woman or one man, he said, it will be worth not a single person should be without God. Hari Karan was pleased with the, the way Hindus were responding to his gospel outreach. But in 2018, a Christian friend and mentor told him about an unreached Muslim village fewer than 20 miles away. Nobody is going there, his friend's friend said, so you should go. Hari Karan first visited the Muslim village in August 2018, introducing himself with a very simple and direct statement. I am here to tell the good news to you. He began by sharing stories about biblical figures like Abraham, Jacob, Esau, who are revered by both Muslims and Christians. And after about a month, the villagers asked him to start a church in their village. As more people began to join the house church, however, the local mullah took notice. The Muslim leader saw that when villagers came, became Christians, they stopped coming to the mosque and stopped donating, donating food to him. Realizing Hari Karan's evangelistic work was the cause of his dwindling pantry, the mullah decided it was time to act. His first call, surprisingly, was not to other Muslim leaders, but to a local leader of a right-wing Hindu nationalist, RSS, which seeks to make India a purely Hindu state. While the RSS may not approve of Muslims in India, they and the Muslims share an even greater disdain for Christians. Every village in India has a chapter of the RSS, and the mullah knew they would be more than happy to deal with the Christian evangelist. The mullah's second call was to Harikaran himself. He set a trap inviting to tell him about the gospel so the RSS could catch him in the act. 
Harikaran rode his motorbike to the mosque expecting to discuss Jesus with the Muslim leader. But instead he was quickly surrounded and beaten by a group of radical Hindus. When the police arrived they took him to the police station for his own protection. The angry Hindus remained outside the station for four hours shouting insults, throwing stones and even damaging the motorbike he relied on for his ministry work. A couple of days later, after tensions had eased, Harikaran discussed the incident with his Christian friend at home. He told his friend that far from being discouraged, he praised God for the opportunity to suffer for the truth. I understand this is a sign that I must continue reaching Muslims, he told me. Just then, another Christian friend called, warning Harikaran that four RSS members were on the way to the house. The four men had been asking his friends and neighbors about him, and everyone had told them how Harikaran and his family selflessly served the community. When the men arrived at his home, Harikaran invited them in and served them drinks. With guilty looks, the men said, you are a good person, we are wrong, and we are sorry. They then invited him back to their village to continue leading the church group under RSS protection. Harikaran continues to serve and tell others about Jesus in the Muslim village. He even gave a New Testament to the Mullah who had apolog- has apologized for reporting him to the RSS and often joins church gatherings to listen. Even more surprising the RSS leader now attends Harikaran's church, although he has not yet been baptized. Harikaran said the former Hindu militant believes in Jesus. Voice of the Martyr has replaced Harikaran's damaged motorbike to help him continue his gospel outreach in the area, but he still pays a price for following Christ. He has trouble finding and keeping a job because Hindus do not want to hire a convert to Christianity. But despite the financial struggles and other ongoing hardships, he knows he has taken the right path. If I would disobey him, I would not have perse- I would not have persecution, he said, but only Jesus can give eternal life. And we are hungry for eternal life. Jesus said to choose the narrow way. Harikaran's most urgent prayer is that God will continue to use him and send him more places to share the gospel, especially among the overlooked Muslims in northern India. Amen? Yeah. Praise God. I want to I want to read this one. This says the beauty parlor of Jesus. I'm kind of interested to see what I didn't get this far in here, so I want to see it. Ah, by Sabrina Wormbrand. Um, this is from a 1980 message that she delivered in Plymouth, England. Now, Sabrina is the wife of, um, uh, what's his first name? The founder of Voice of the Martyr, Richard. Richard Wormbrand. Uh, he was originally jailed in 1948. For being a Christian, he was jailed over and over again and beaten. Finally, he was released through, I think in the middle 60s, he got his final release from prison um, um, through um, 
uh, a bounty that was paid for him, I think like $10,000. And he was allowed, I think he was allowed, he was Romanian, and that's where the communists began to persecute him because he was a Christian. But he was able to leave Romania. They just felt it was too dangerous for him. He went to one of the Scandinavian countries, and then he finally wound up in the United States where he testified before Congress during the 1960s. And he removed his shirt in Congress and showed all of the wounds all over his body from when he was tortured in the prison. So, yeah, so they they began to understand, you know, sometimes people don't really want to face how bad things are for people. But they began to understand how bad the communists were to people who uh, didn't believe as they believed. So, but he was still married, his wife Sabrina. Uh, I think they they lived until early 2000. They lived a long time. He was, because he was born, he would have been like born around the time my dad was born or a little before that. So uh, they lived to be a very, very old, nice old age. They got their Psalm 91 blessing. Amen. But it says here, uh, this is from, his, this is his wife's writing from a 1980 message delivered in Plymouth, England. Thousands of Christian women and men are in prison in slave labor camps in Romania. At a certain, you know the dictator was overthrown after that. Remember Ceausescu and they were able to take power away from him finally. So Romania is a, a relatively free nation now. At a certain moment we had to build a canal. Many died there, hungry, beaten, mocked by the communists. Other Christians were arrested and put in their place. At the canal there was no Sunday. Most of the time we didn't know what day it was, but sometimes somebody on the field would whisper, it's Sunday. You could see prisoners working and shedding many tears, remembering the house of the Lord, the worship, the songs, the being together, praising the Lord and worshiping him. You see, it's really a blessing to be able to be free to worship God, folks, you know. Um, My prayer for Christians in this country is that we would spend time with the Lord. Our trouble is we get seduced away by the things of this life. You understand what I'm saying? Too busy. Uh, go into church and run out again. Um, and these people had that taken away from them. Didn't even know when it was Sunday. And when people told them it was Sunday, all they could do would, would be to cry. Remembering the freedom they had to worship God. It says, being together, praising the Lord and worshiping him, we were never free on Sunday. We had to work. So on such a Sunday evening when we were brought back to the prison cell, five or six women gathered together in order to read the Bible and pray together. In our cell, we were never allowed to pray or witness for Christ. So we decided to meet together under the bed on the concrete Hoping that under the bed, the guard who always looked in our prison cell through the peephole on the door would not see us. That Sunday we read together Acts chapter 6 about Stephen, the first martyr. Knowing that he would be put to death, Stephen stood before his enemies and judges. And as his enemies looked at Stephen, they saw his face beautiful like the face of an angel. After we had read this chapter and arrived at our last verse, one of the ladies there under the bed with us 
spoke up. She was not a Christian. She was a political prisoner and one of the richest ladies in Romania whose husband was also in prison. After each of us said something about Stephen, the lady told us, I like you Christian women because I consider you to be intelligent. But I cannot understand how you intelligent women can believe all these things that are written in your Bible. How can you believe that Stephen, standing before death, could be so beautiful in such a moment of crisis? What beauty parlor could have made him so beautiful that even his angel saw him beautiful like an angel? Just then the guard entered our cell and came directly to the place where we sat. He took us out of the cell, beat us, and then threw us back into the cell. We Christians knew the price we had to pay whenever we wished to come together to witness pray and read the bible but we wondered how our cellmate who is not a christian would react to such a beating the first one who came to speak with me was this lady she said today i better understand what it means to be a christian the very fact that the communists beat you and persecute christians the very fact they fight against god is the best proof that god exists if there were no god there would be no fight against him The very fact that they beat Christians, put you in prison, mock you because of Christ, this tells me that Jesus is the Savior and I need him. He will be my Savior too. When she told me this, she did not know that her face was smeared with blood and tears and that her face now shone beautifully with the glory of God. She had passed through the beauty parlor of Jesus. In communist countries, since we don't have Bibles, we have changed the chorus of Jesus loves me, this I know, for their faces tell me so. The communist guards and officers who have heard this chorus sung repeatedly see the love of Jesus in the shining faces of hungry and beaten Christians in prison. I am here to remind you how how rich you are, how beautiful you are, and how wonderful you are. The greatest richness, the Son of God, Jesus, is your Savior. The Word of God can be in your heart, and the glory of God shines over you. Perhaps sometimes when you have your beautiful Bible in your hands, remember the thousands of our brothers or sisters without any book, never having a Bible. We saw how one word from God's word, taken from the heart of a Christian and given to some prisoner in despair, brought new life and new hope. When you read your Bible, gather it in your heart. The skies are so cloudy all over the world. Who knows how soon you will need this richness which nobody can take away from you. The word of God can be in your heart and the glory of God shines over you. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. So we're going to pray. I think I did many of the stories. Let me see. I've got some little short ones here. Short testimonies. Well, let me see. Okay, we did that one. I'll do these short ones in here. Arabian Peninsula, two Muslim women come to choose Christ. Two women in the Arabian Peninsula have turned from Islam and committed their lives to Christ, a decision that in the Middle East could cost them opportunities for marriage and a family. The two women live at home with their Muslim parents who know their daughter's new faith and are not happy about it. Their parents tolerate their faith, however, because they love their daughters and want them to stay home. 
They have not told anyone about their daughter's conversion to Christianity, fearing extended family members might try to kill them if their conversions became known. Still, the parents tried to reconvert the women to Islam at every opportunity, sharing Quranic verses and trying to debate religion with them. Although women are expected to marry in Muslim culture, these two Christians refuse to compromise and marry a Muslim. With so few Christians in the country, the women do not expect to ever marry. Their faith is very impressive, said Voice of the Martyrs Regional Director in the Middle East. Because of their faith, they have no options for marriage. On a recent visit to the region, Voice of the Martyr workers were encouraged to find more Christians in the country than expected. And the two women now attend church with other believers. Despite the sacrifice these women have made, they say the reward of heaven is reason enough to follow Jesus. Amen. Amen. This is from Uganda. And it says, Imam turns to Christ and loses property. Yassin, an imam in charge of three mosques, and his wife became Christians two years after Yassin's wife was healed from a serious illness during a church service. When Yassin told his mother about their conversion to Christianity, other family members burned down his house and sold his plot of land Oh, sold a plot of land his father had given him. After losing their home, half the family slept at their church, while the other half slept in another small structure. They lived that way for two years before the voice of the martyr worker learned about their situation and arranged for the family to reunite in a safe place. Yassin told the voice of the martyr worker that despite all they had endured, the family has confidence that Christ is real and that his power, it has power over everything. They pray that all their extended family will see the light and come to Christ. I cannot even think about going back to the slavery of Islam, Yassin said. Christ is everything. Amen. Praise God. Indonesia on the front lines of island jihad. 30-year-old Juni's slight stature hides a fierce resolve to follow God's call. Several years ago, the Lord called her to serve in a remote eastern Indonesian island populated by dedicated Muslims who had burned many churches on the island in 2005 and 2006. A Christian organization supported Junie in her first years of work, and when the organization was no longer able to support her, she enrolled in nursing school to support herself. She has limited funding, a voice of the martyr field leader for Asia said, but is faithful to continue despite all of the challenges. Because of her determination to continue serving in this difficult, unreached area, Voice of the Martyr is now funding some of Junie's work. Amen. Iran, Islamic clerics renew focus on evangelicals. Islamic clerics in Iran are reportedly redoubling their efforts to eradicate Christianity from the country. The head of the Islamic propagation office in Qom told the Ayatollah last fall that battling evangelical Christianity is one of our main objectives and a series of arrests of Christian converts follow soon after. A voice of the martyr partner ministry said the Iranian media publicized these pronouncements and arrests to create fear among Christian converts from Islam. Two Christian converts in the city of Mashhad and Karaj were arrested recently as a result of what appears to have been uh, tight government surveillance. 
Benamus Raleigh and Davud Rasuli had arranged by phone to meet in Mashhad, but each was arrested before he arrived. Based on the timing and obvious coordination of their arrests, other Christians think Iranian intelligence officials learned of their planned meeting by intercepting their phone calls. Since their arrest, they have had no contact with family or relatives and no one knows where they are or the cause of their detention. In addition, two sisters from Avaz were arrested in early December and charged with action against Iran's national security through evangelism. These two women were detained for 24 and 30 days respectively until they were released on approximately $100,000 bail. Both women were tortured while in custody. So we need to pray for Iran, Indonesia, Uganda. Um, We've got about 60 nations that we pray regularly for plus our calendar. Does anybody tell me what um, who's on there for today? So we may... Manamar? Myanmar. All right. So we'll, we're going to pray, okay? Uh, we've got some other. Um, let me. I'm going to share this this uh, story. If you can write down this woman's name, we need to continue to pray for her because she um, she's a lawyer. Her name is Nasrin. N a s r i n is her first name. And so Tude is her last name, S-O-T-O-U-D-E-H. She's been sentenced to 38 years in prison and 148 lashes. says, after two trials described by Amnesty International as grossly unfair, Iranian human rights lawyer, lawyer Nasrin Sotuda has been sentenced to a total of 38 years in prison, 148 lashes. Sotuda, who has dedicated her life to defending Iranian women, prosecuted for removing their hajibs in public, has been in the crosshairs of Iranian's theocratic government for years. In 2010, she was convicted of conspiring to harm state security and served half of a six-year sentence. Then in June of last year, she was rearrested on an array of dubious charges. Tried in secret, details of her ordeal have often come via her husband, Reza Kadan, who wrote of her new, much harsher sentence on his Facebook page on Monday. Satuta was ultimately charged with seven crimes and given the maximum sentence of all of them. Five additional years were added from the 2016 case in which she was convicted in absentia. The total 38-year sentence was severe even by Iranian standards, a country often accused of human rights abuses, particularly involving women. Observers say it may signal a newly hardline approach to political dissent. Last week, a radical cleric linked to, linked to mass executions in the 1980s was appointed the head of the Islamic Republic's judiciary. Critics from around the world decried the outcome of Satuta's case. Amnesty International said it was the harshest sentence documented against a human rights defender in Iran in recent memory. Hadi Gahimi, the executive director of the New York-based Center for Human Rights in Iran, told CBS News it exposed the insecurity the regime has to any peaceful challenge.
The same day Satuta was sentenced, the UN investigator on human rights in Iran held up her case as a sign of the country's increasingly brutal opposition, oppression of those who defend the rights of women. Worrying patterns of intimidation, arrest, prosecution, and ill treatment of human rights defenders, lawyers, and labor rights activists signal an increasingly severe state response, he said. So we need to pray for persecuted people just like herself you know how people can be married have a wife and beat the wife like you know some of these people do it's just ridiculous nothing but the devil so but god amen the gospel sets them free it sets them free so we're going to protection persecution okay if you'll pray in the spirit. And I'll just list the ones we're praying for uh, after we pray the prayer. Okay. Father in heaven, we thank you. We bless you. We praise you. We worship you, Lord. Thank you for your shed blood. Cleanses us. Thank you, Lord. We forgive these people who have persecuted your people. Persecuted the innocent, Lord. We ask you to forgive them and lay no sin to their charge. And we forgive them, Lord. We thank you to cleanse them from all unrighteousness. Help these people come to repentance, Father. When when their sins are removed and lifted through forgiveness, Lord. Let the light of the gospel come in and show them the proper way father everybody can hear the gospel we thank you lord it's not your will any should perish so we are asking you to save these people save the persecutors of your people father turn their hearts toward you rescue them from the hand of darkness and from the enemy who persecutes us all and father we thank you that we confess we submit to you resist the devil and he must flee I command you, Satan, to flee from us seven ways. Vengeance belongs to you, O God. We resist retaliation against our accusers. We are serving you. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? You who sit in the heavens are laughing. Behold, they're threatening. Stretch forth your hand to heal, O God. Do signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. I declare the way of the ungodly shall perish. Let the ungodly fall by their own counsel. The Lord shall judge the people. People, judge us, O Lord, according to our integrity that's in us. Let the mischief of all spiritual forces that persecute us return upon their own heads. Keep us as the apple of the eye, hide us under the shadow of thy wings. Thank you for teaching our hands to war, so that the bow of steel is broken in our arms. Thank you that you have given us the necks of our enemies. Shut the mouths of the lions that roar their lies against us. Cause the tongue of the wicked persecutors to cleave to the roof of the mouth. Stop the pointing of the finger against your servant. Stop those who point the finger against me without a cause and who hate me. Lord, we know that it's nothing for you to help. Help us, O Lord our God, O save me according to thy mercy. Let my hands prosper and prevail against my enemies. But the Lord is with me as a mighty terrible one. Therefore my persecutors shall stumble and they shall not prevail. They shall be greatly ashamed for they shall not prosper. Their everlasting confusion for shall never be forgotten we thank you father and we pray for the fulani islamic militants 
who rape and kill these young Christian women. We command you to stop in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for allowing freedom to come to these people. And we bless you. We thank you. We forgive them of murder in Jesus' name. We pray for China that authorities will offer cash rewards for information on Christian activity. We command that to cease in Jesus' name. We pray for Uzbekistan, for the Christian convert who was forced into a mental hospital. We command her release in Jesus' name. We pray for India, the Christian man arrested after sharing his testimony. We pray for him to be released in Jesus' name. We pray for Kenya. Um, for the a woman who was involved in a church attack, we thank you, Father, for her full recovery in Jesus' name. We pray for the Middle East, the young Christian convert <clears throat> defending the Bible. And we thank you, Father, for him to uh, be free in the name of Jesus. We pray for Indonesia. We pray for these people, these victims of the earthquake, and we thank you, Lord, to provide the Bibles for them in Jesus' name. We pray for Eritrea, for the Christian convert who misses his son, uh, who is left behind. We thank you, Father, that his son will be found in Jesus' name. We thank you for Uganda. We pray for release of the Christians from persecution there in Jesus' name. We pray for uh, the family expelled from a vision, from this village, that they would be accepted in a new village father in jesus name we pray for india for a christian man abducted and murdered we thank you lord that his murderers will be brought to justice in the name of jesus and we pray for nigeria and we command these attacks on christian villages to cease in the name of jesus we pray for the people of uh, and we thank you, Father, for what you are doing in that nation to free your people up. We thank you for the gospel being preached freely in that nation. We thank you for an end to persecution in these places that your people will be allowed to peacefully preach the gospel, Lord. We thank you, Lord, to stop the murder, stop the uh, assault, stop the rape and the killing of people who are Christians in Jesus' name. Set your people free, Father. That they would worship you and serve you and be free from all persecution. Lord, we thank you to cause your people to be visible when they need to be visible and invisible when they need to be invisible. So we thank you, Lord, for the supernatural help that you give your people to live free, to serve you, and to live you without being hindered. The Lord, and that they would preach the gospel with signs following, no man forbidding them, no man can hinder them. And we thank Thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, and amen again. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Father, we thank you that we will see an end to this persecution of your people in Jesus' name. That they will will overtake these nations where they are being persecuted. That these nations will be one for you. That the people will be converted to Christianity. They will give their lives to Christ in record numbers. We thank you, Lord, for the gospel is never hindered or stopped. We thank you, Father, that you raise up more people to preach the gospel. As we are persecuted, you raise up more. And we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, 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 amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. 
You know, that's one way God has get of getting the gospel in different places. People scatter, you know, in persecution. And then they get to the next place where they scatter to and they begin to preach there. So we're just thankful that God knows what he's doing. Amen. He knows what he's doing. So praise God. So if anybody wants prayer, come up and I'll pray for you and then we can end our meeting. We've I've had a good day. I don't know about you, but I've had a good day. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Anybody, come on up if you need prayer.